I don't know why we were quiet because we didn't need to be quiet for that part. <laughs> what we are is liars. Last week we promised our listeners that we would be on YouTube, and then your power went out. Matt, do you have a backup generator? Are you ready to go this week? I do not have a backup generator, no. So if the power goes out again, I'm sorry, guys. No video again. Well, what about this? Are you ready to go? Oh, I'm ready. Let's go! Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. You just added more time. You added two years. Like, 18 years was what it was before. Anyway, as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. All right. Thank you, Matt. Um, yeah, last week I had to finish all by myself because your power went out. Yeah, that was weird. I, I had no idea what happened. Like, I was, like, trying to figure out what, what I did wrong because the screen went blank. And I was like, oh, why did my screen go blank? That's weird. It must just be this. And then I unplugged that, which unplugged my microphone. So even, my, like, everything just all got messed up on my end. And then it took me until I went downstairs and everything is off. I was like, oh, power's out. <laughs> that was but, but, weird. But on my end, all I see is your face frozen with an intensity of, like, you were really listening. So I don't know when your power went out. I probably kept on my rant because you mentioned I was long-winded a couple of times last week. And uh, anyways, so I finished as up As long as solo. someone looks like they're listening to Chris, he will keep talking. I will keep talking. Yeah. Pray for me, people. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Speaking so, of someone who's just sitting here listening to us as we talk. We have a guest today, you guys. <laughs> we me. are joined by the Kevin Kapchinski. He is a... Uh, wow. A husband, a father, a musician, youth minister. Uh, you wear actually about 37 hats at the parish you're at. Yes. And an expert in ministry leadership. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah. me. Did, did Chris do a good enough introduction, or is there something else about you you want to make sure everybody knows? Uh, as of late, I am uh, one of the hats that I've uh, enjoyed slash not enjoyed slash new challenges, all the things at the parish has been... Um, the running of all the live streams, which is new frontier. Uh, yeah, but and that's because you're under the age of forty. <laughs> so one of the one of our deacons uh, looked at me the other day and said, "This is now the age of the millennials. Y'all are just bringing the church to us." <laughs> oh my gosh, that's great! That. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> now, uh, the topic today is uh, is uh, let go and let others. You know, we were like, "Hey, let go and let God," but God works through people, and so kind of looking at that, I wanted to kind of bring it about with uh, with a story because you are at a parish that is. Uh, at least for some time, it has shifted a little bit, but for some time was operating like a very small parish as it was exploding. It was getting, and one of the building projects, I remember talking to you and I'm like, how's ministry going? You're like, good. Once I finish building this room or uh, you were doing the electric or, or something like, like <laughs> yeah. you were the youth minister and, and, and all these other hats. And oh then you guys are building a new building and Kevin, you're the one that's actually going in and pulling wire and doing some of the, uh, the construction on the building. And I'm just like, that your parish is too big now to be able to have <laughs> one guy do everything. Yeah. But it runs it runs in your family. Back when uh, we were both at uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in College Station, it was your uncle or your grandfather who was who was Paul? That was my great uncle, Uncle your Paul. Your great uncle and uh and he was the facilities guy, but he was the facilities team. 
and yeah. he would do he would keep the grounds <laughs> and if something was broken it didn't matter what it was Paul would look at it first, and then it wasn't broken anymore. Yeah. The guy yeah. was a jack of all trades, and uh, and I think it runs in your blood. Um, but that can be dangerous because um, if you don't learn the word no, then you could be doing everything. So tell us about your experience and why this topic was on your heart. So I, I'm actually glad. That there's two things, right? I'm glad you bring up the construction project because that was a time in both ministry and in life, just work in general, uh, that was very strange because it, it became, you know, maybe four or five days a week, I was wearing a hard hat to work, which is weird because I'm like, I work at a church and here I am with a hard hat on and work boots and I'm on a boom lift, which I've never driven before, but now I'm driving it and I'm 35 feet in the air. OSHA, you know, whatever. It's all good. Um, Ever so often, like some of that stuff's really fun though. Like oh, doing no something so out of the norm, like I, I ministry, you know, 24 seven for four years yeah. and then getting to do a little bit of construction or whatever. That's like, it's, it's a lot of fun to break from that stuff. Oh, for sure. But it was surreal, huh? It, very surreal. And, and at, at a certain point, because I have the skills that I have, the pastor came to me and said, you know, Kevin, tell us what we need to do as a staff to help youth ministry run so that you can go and work on the building. <laughs> That's like, amazing. What? That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but cause I mean, you know, six, I, I, I think I was working seven days a week for maybe like three weeks and honestly the it was super unhealthy, but at the same time, the pastor was like super, super supportive and ended up helping my wife and I go on a vacation after, uh, which was, Super, super appreciated. That's uh, awesome that he recognized that because oh that like not everybody recognized that. They're like, oh, you just worked really hard for that period of time. Good yeah. job. Pat on the back. That's it. Yeah, no, it, he he really took care of us and, and did did right by us. It was just, which was really, really cool to to be a part of that. So there was that aspect of it, right? Where where there's, it's almost like a step back from ministry and it's just straight up work at that point. But when you work for a church and, you, you know, having a pastor that was as supportive as he was at the time, uh, it was cool to be like rewarded in that way. Um, and, and in that time, the second thing is, is, and that came to mind as, as, uh, you, you kind of brought this up, uh, letting, letting go and let God let others, whatever that looks like. Right. There was a moment early on in, in youth ministry for me at this parish where I was giving a talk every weekend and then I would lead worship every weekend and, but a lot because of, a you large, could do it better than anybody else, right? I mean, a large part of it was because the the volunteer staff that I had in the first two years were folks that I had inherited who had very little training or experience in youth ministry. And so like in my head, I was like, I have to do everything, which is the fatal flaw of a new youth minister. And um, almost every youth minister goes through a phase of that. Yep. Absolutely. And so I, you know, I, I firmly remember this. I, I was going to the chapel maybe three times a week during the week kind of thing. And during one of those times, you know, I was particularly tired and I written my, you know, 15th talk in a row and I was going to the chapel to, to pray over it and stuff like that. And I sat down in front of the Eucharist and, and I was, I just kind of like gave God all of this tiredness, all of this weariness that I had digging out the barrel, the dregs of the barrel to try and provide, you know? And um, I remember so clearly Jesus was like, what are you doing? why aren't you just bringing them to me? And so from that moment forward, I, every month uh, we went to, 
I was like, when have these kids last received the sacraments? Um, cause you know, maybe at that point, maybe 50, 60% of them were going to mass. I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? So from that point on monthly, we were going to the chapel. We were doing a Eucharistic adoration. I had students leading the rosary. I had students leading, you know, a Bible study or, or like reading the gospel or something like that. I had students taking care of a lot of that stuff. And that was all, that was not me per se. That was just, you know, an experience in the chapel that I had where, where Jesus was just like, Hey, Kevin, stop stop trying to do this yourself and bring them to me because I can do this a whole heck of a lot better than you can. I was like, uh, yeah, probably so. Uh, but that led to the impetus. That was the, the beginning of the impetus for me to figure out, Hey, other people can do this too. So yeah, it's th- interesting. Yeah, no, Kevin, I think it's beautiful because a lot of times when we think other people, we think our volunteer team, you know what I mean? Who's going to lead opening prayer? Well, I've led it the last three weeks we need to find someone else to do it. Let me look to my volunteer team. But any ministry leader has people that they minister to, and part of that should be equipping. So if you have a group of second graders, yeah, prayer might look a little bit different, but what about pulling, pulling one aside or meeting with, with that child and the mom after, after uh, a faith formation session? I know it's a digital era right now, but, you know, and saying, hey, we would like your daughter to lead, to lead us in opening prayer next week, and I'd love for you to stay to be able to support her in that. Here's what we're looking for, two minutes and a scripture verse. And, and all of a sudden, it's no longer just empowering other volunteers, but now it's empowering those that we're ministering to. And then it's not your ministry, but it's the, the parish's ministry or the group's ministry, you know? And that, that's a beautiful, a beautiful shift. And I think even just the shift from us to volunteers is healthy. But you're kind of saying and what you're sharing is that's not enough. We need to be equipping the, those that we minister to to have ownership in uh, in moving this ministry forward as well. I think that's great. Yeah, in renewing the vision, they talk about like how ministry should look intergenerational, intercultural, all of those things, right? It, it should involve the whole parish family necessarily, and I, I think that that can be kind of daunting to a lot of youth ministers and people in ministry in general, especially because of language barriers and just like generational barriers and stuff like that too. But one of the things that that you brought up Chris is having a second grader lead prayer and stuff like that. How cool would it be for the, that same second grader to lead prayer for like life team, you know, at the beginning of because their prayers look and, and sound a lot different than teen prayers, uh, but they provide context and perspective. And, and that's one of the things that, that the USCCB wrote in there in their wisdom, right. Uh, for the goodness of an intergenerational ministry is that it provides context and, and wisdom. Uh, in those different ways too. Uh, Cause kids are, you know, my son looked at the Eucharist yesterday. We went to the chapel and he was like, I asked him like, what would you say to Jesus? And he said, I love you. And I love your mom, St. Mary. And I like burst into tears. Right. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is beautiful. But like, he didn't say anything that I couldn't have said just right there. But the fact that he said it, the fact that a young child who could see and have faith that provides context and wisdom and is, is why, it's so important to have those familial connections within a teen ministry or young adult ministry or whatever ministry it is. My three-year-old, so we do, uh, you know, what's one thing uh, that you're thankful for in prayer? You know, one yeah. thing you're thankful for and one intention. And when it gets to my three-year-old, Benedict, he, yeah. uh, I, I think it's profound because he'll, he'll just go and, and start going. And I'm like, just one thing. And he's like, no, he goes on everything. <laughs> and so he'll be like, and I'm thankful for this spoon, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thankful for this, blah, blah, blah. 
And he's really just kind of showing our family because we basically use it as a high-low. What was the highlight of your day that yeah. you want to say thank you, Jesus, for? And he's basically like, and this couch cushion, blah, blah, blah. Like, we should be thankful <laughs> for this couch cushion. Like, everything in here we should be thankful for. And the blah, blah, blah is like, and God already knows. You know, like, he just has yeah. this little spirit about him. And it's spunky, but it's also true. There's a profound thing in, in regards to, like, I'm thankful that I have a shirt. Everyone else is thankful that we got ice cream or some sweet moment that they had. But he's like... But also shirts, like we got to thank God for those, you know, and it's just a really cool perspective. And yet there's also like, I think a risk involved in it, right? Because Kevin, you are skilled at the guitar. And so you know that if you're going to lead prayer and you're going to incorporate some some praise and worship into it, that it's going to be pretty good. Um, yeah. And delegating to others is a risk because it could, it could flop. It could not... Let me just say it differently. It might not be as polished. And so there's a risk involved in that. So how do you assess that? How do you uh, hedge your bets? You know, what, what do you mm. do with that? Yeah. So, so one of the things, so my wife is a, is a licensed professional counselor and she deals with teenagers. Oh, that's her job. That's, she does it all the time. And a lot of the, the stuff that, that she's researched and, and studied is it, it's, you know, the same in ministry as it is in just life. And the church has been doing it for years, but like a major task and role, both psychologically and spiritually in, in adolescence is, is identity finding. And if we don't allow students to take those healthy risks, if we don't allow volunteers to take those healthy risks, we risk as ministers getting in the way of them finding that identity, both in themselves and in Christ and, and hampering that development. And so to your point, right, like I, I, I lead worship a lot, right? Um, there's not a whole lot of people who play guitar as students. There's, there's one or two who play the guitar proficiently enough to like be able to do it. And, and so like uh, we went on a retreat and I basically told this one student like, Hey, at this time, this is all you, you're doing all the worship, all the, all the songs. I told him two weeks before. Right. And he crushed it. He did great. And I had my doubts. Right. But like he did so super good. And I was super proud of him. I told him afterwards and it was like this great victory for him. And he felt super good about himself. And like, that's, that's why we do ministry for me anyway. Right. Like those are the big victories is, is when you see somebody who's seen you do something right to model something mm -hmm. and then be able to incorporate those, those things that they've watched you do. And, you know, it, with new flair of their own identity and, and it really comes full circle for them and, and, uh, creates this, is, this great sense of fulfillment. This is really interesting because like you're talking about this whole identity finding. And if we and or our volunteers are always doing the tasks and always doing the things, yep. then no youth leave our program with that identity of, I am someone who reads at church. Yeah. I am someone who prays out loud. I am someone who is a worship leader. Mm -hmm. Like no one leaves our programs with those identities. And that's terrifying. That's a problem. And we unknowingly reinforce the cultural Catholicism and the consumer Catholicism because it creates a divide, a distance between those who, uh, who can lead prayer, those who, who can uh, provide sacraments, those who can uh, build community, and those who are the community that's being built or worked on and, and things like that. And, and, and we talked a little bit about that challenge last week about the difference between cultural Catholicism and authentic discipleship, you know, um, <laughs> we're part of the problem. Yeah. And, and having that identity, I, I am someone who talks with my friends about Jesus. 
Like hopefully most people, you know, can leave our programs like saying that. Um, but yeah, it starts with our volunteers. Like we want our volunteers to have that identity, um, to be able to share that identity within our parish. But we absolutely, we need um, every single young person in our programs to have some sort of identity as you know, a church person, you know, or like something a little bit more deep than I just, I go to stuff. Yeah. You know, well, it's, it's the same mentality of like, like Christmas, right? Um, when my family comes together for Christmas and, and this has been the same, I mean, we have, you know, Italian side Christmas and Polish side Christmas, right? Nice. And on Italian side Christmas, there's like, there's always the one aunt who makes this particular cookie or cake or pie, whatever it is. Right. Uh, and, and they are, they are the guardian, the vanguard of that recipe. And, but when that person dies, right, that pie dies. And that's so sad. And on, on Amanda's side, my wife, we found this recipe that, that someone had written down and had like locked in, you know, like away. And now like we, this Easter, we made that recipe and it was like really cool. But so like what I bring up with the Christmas point of view is like, what is the best part, right? Is it, is it being able to eat the pie? Or is it being able to like provide the pie to somebody else? And, and I bring that up specifically because what is more satisfying to us and what is more satisfying to the consumer? Uh, and I, I hate to use the word consumer, but you know, like, let's go with that for just a second. Um, because if, like, like Matt said, if we, if we aren't training, if we aren't equipping, if we aren't allowing them to do things and make mistakes and, make a terrible pie once and once in every now and again, yeah. then, then we do them a disservice. Like we have to allow people to mess up. Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of the crux of all of this, right? Because you want to do the very, very best that you can for Christ and provide your first fruits. And sometimes your first fruits, aren't you doing it? Sometimes your first fruits are taking a step back and, and the first fruits are, are being there to work with the person as they make the pie. And having that identity of being someone like I am someone who take takes risks for Jesus. Yeah. Like, yes, that's a disciple. That's p part of what that is. You know, we need everybody to do that. Um, even if it means falling on your face, you know, ever so often. And sometimes standing tall, you can't stand as tall as, as someone else. So like if, if, uh, if my wife, who's really good in the kitchen, makes a pie and everyone's like, oh, this is awesome. Thanks. You know. But if I, as a labor of love, struggle through it and make a pie, even if it doesn't taste as good, yeah. they're like, Chris, you tried. We are so proud of you. <laughs> and this happened at a youth night, man. I wrote this talk and I smashed. I mean, it was amazing. It was really good. And we had a teen get up and give a testimony afterwards. Yeah. And they were nervous and they fumbled through it. And everyone in small group was like, that testimony. I just was so connected because it was coming from a teen. I just yeah. felt so... And I'm like, no one talked about how my talk <laughs> smashed because it, because it, 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 the messenger is half of the message. You know what I mean? And uh, and it was it was just beautiful, profound, and humbling, all all in the same mm. note. So, well, and so to the both of you, you both are accomplished ministers. I mean, in your stinking intro, you're like, well, we've we've seen, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Right? Like, you're like the farmers <laughs> commercial. Uh, and, and so you're both accomplished ministers. You're both great speakers and ministers to all of the people that you serve. But at the same time, like you bring up a good point, Chris, like sometimes it's, it's not, it's the person given the message more than the message itself. You two don't have anything to prove, but I think the biggest thing 
both in, in like a family, cause I'm, I'm a big family kind of guy. That's kind of, that's how I operate. And, and the reason it made, you know, me burst into tears when my son said he loved Jesus is cause it's like, it's the messenger, right? It's this three-year-old who I know doesn't know as much as I do, hasn't seen as much of the world, doesn't, you know, is less experienced in life. But to have that three-year-old recognize and acknowledge that fact, right, and and have that cognition, that is beautiful. I could I could get up there and and it's the same thing with Saint Peter in 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 the Book of Acts when he's like just like. 3,000 people were baptized, right? Well, it's because the Holy Spirit just went through him. It's the messenger, right? You've got this poor fisherman and he just like drops the mic on all these people. And all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, I'm, so, I'm good. Yeah, let's go. If this is how it operates, then we're good. Um, if a three-year-old can get up there and say something like that, or if you know, uh, you know, my teen who played the guitar and led worship that one time, he can do that, then yeah, let's go. I want to be a part of that. And people respond to that kind of stuff. So like, Chris, to your point, when that other team gets up there and shares his testimony or her testimony, yeah, it's probably going to be more powerful than your talk, no matter how good your words were. So, but but it's not just a ministerial risk; it's also a risk for those that uh, that we're asking, uh, you know, asking to give the talk or to lead the prayer. And how do we how do we empower them to be successful if, for some reason, just you leading the prayer takes you, you know, ten minutes of prep and then you're good to go? But yeah. empowering them could take two, three hours of your week to be able to have them lead the same prayer. And you're you're wearing a hard hat to work. You know what I mean? There's already all these other <laughs> all these other different things that are going on. So how does a ministry leader make time to uh to to delegate? Because it, it takes longer to equip, to empower, to, yeah. to build a platform for success, um, and even to draw out the gifts that they might not know exist in their program or in their yeah. in their youth. So this is what and and you guys have done this before, but you guys have like, you play the long game. I'll start my freshmen uh, as they are coming in with various little tasks, little stuff, but it's all in an attempt to build scaffolding. You you provide building blocks so that they can work with those. And then by the time they're seniors though, then you can really start having them take the lead on stuff. And some people respond to it more than others, but it's all depending on, on people's gifts, right? And that's yep. kind of our role is to help them discern their gifts and, and how to use them and help build the scaffolding that they need to be successful with, with stuff all the while messing up and saying, hey, this piece of scaffolding is, is loose. Uh, so we maybe need to shore that up a little bit, figuratively, of course. But Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but you like you ease them into it and you increase you know, what they were doing, you know, you give them something relatively easy at the beginning, yep. a little bit harder next, a little bit harder next until they're doing exactly what you know that God has planned for them, you know, in, in their gifts and their talents. And, um, but yeah, you start somewhere a little easier, you know, um, mm-hmm. in the beginning. And I think we also have to set up a context in our, in our, not just our programs, but our parishes as well, that this is a place where you can fail safely. You yeah. know, if, 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 if it didn't land um, or you didn't feel good about it, that's okay because next week you're going to get a chance to try again. Yep. Wait, you would let me come back after after the how bad it went? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's also why we offer confessions every Saturday. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You want me to come back after how bad I've been? Exactly. It's modeled in the very yeah. making of the Catholic Church, and our ministries need to reflect that. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really cool point. I like that. Yeah. So, and to that point, right. There's, there's this idea that, and back to my original point, like I I went to the chapel that one day with, with everything, 
I am so, so now anyway, it didn't used to be, but now I am so, so cognizant and, and intentional about making sure that whatever ministry things that we're doing, I've got to take it to the chapel first. I've got to take it to Jesus first and really work with the Holy Spirit and discern, Hey, is this, am I, is this the right way to go here? Or is it, do I need to go a different way? Or is there a different, better way of doing this? Is somebody else required to build the scaffolding for this kid? Is it me or is it for somebody else? What is it in the parish family, right? Is this deacon better equipped to help build this kid's gifts than I am? And how can I incorporate the deacon into my youth ministry program? How can I incorporate this lawyer who happens to be at the church uh, to help this kid be a better lector? You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's a lot of that where I'll, I'll go to the chapel and Jesus will, will just reveal like a person to me. Right. And, and it's like, Hey, this person would be really, really good for this purpose to help this kid. So, yeah, I mean, like it's a bad thing for us to be doing everything and being lone ranger. And, and that's, I mean, that's, unfortunately that's how a lot of youth ministers get burned out. Um, and you guys have, have seen that and, and maybe experienced that and gone through different seasons like that as well. But yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing is like being able to bring stuff to Jesus and allow him to, to kind of steer the ship rather than you, because we are terrible boat pilots. Um, <laughs> boat so, pilots? What's the actual word for that? Captains. There you go. <laughs> Admirals. I called it a boat pilot, so you, you can, you can yeah, see how the, bad I am at driving boats. <laughs> yeah, you, you should have you delegated that one out, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm hearing this, I really think that as ministry leaders, we should be challenged uh, to look at our ministry and almost find a chapel and say, Lord, I know that you're not asking me to do everything. You're asking me to maybe set up the scaffolding, as you said, or set up the platform for these things to get done. Yeah. But I'm not. A- you're not asking me to do all of it. Now, there is something that can be smooth, consistent, or even polished about our programs if we have the stranglehold on all those things, right? But we're not called to have polished programs. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus had dust and dirt on him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be times where we're going to need our feet washed, you know, but... But that's not, that's not the goal is to, to have a polished program. And we see that in many of the live streams that exist out there. <laughs> there are communities gathering Amen. with live streams that are just kind of brutal. Um, yeah. but, it, but I don't want to watch another parish's live stream. I want to watch my parish's live stream and my community. And the same is true. I, I don't want some national speaker to necessarily say it on our weekly youth gathering. I want someone from our community to share this message on our weekly mm-hmm. youth gathering, you know, and there's times for those nicer polished type of things to come in. So in this time in COVID, you know, the pandemic, what does it look like? Because I see a lot of ministry leaders really just kind of muscling through and doing the digital ministry, the Zoom meetings, the different things of that nature. But what would it look like if you said, OK, I am not going to do any of the ministry. I am just going to help. Uh, create a context for that ministry to take place. Lord, who do I need to bring in to make this happen? What yeah. would it look like just to be an adult that's like, hey, you lead the Zoom game. I'm going to s- sit back and watch it. You share your your favorite saint, and the other teens are going to be able to experience it. You know, what does that look like yeah. now? How do we delegate it, both in whatever the new normal is, but also during uh, this time uh, where a lot of it feels like it fell back on our plate um, because we're not able to interact and delegate like we used to. For sure. All right. Well, we got a couple of minutes. Anything finally or like as a closing or whatever you want to say, Kevin? Finally, oh, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> he said, <"Well>, pilot, <laughs> so you're fine. 
<laughs> I'm a terrible boat pilot. Uh, but man, I tell you what, this may, anybody who listens to this, I would just really encourage anybody to, to pray a rosary at some point this, this may, uh, and to, to really offer the whole world, the Americas, whatever, whatever you've got on your plate back at home to Mary and allow her to, to advocate for us in heaven, whether it be COVID or, or divorce or, um, whatever, whatever you got going on on your plate, uh, addictions or whatever, just offer it to her and, and have her lift you up. So, I mean, in the final few minutes, that's the biggest thing I can think of based on, on the month that we're in. Um, and check out the Pope added two prayers to the rosary, uh, specifically to help out with COVID, uh, for during this month. So check those out at the Vatican website and stuff like that. But yeah, but that's, that's an, that, it's an interesting tie in because we talk about delegating and so often our sins and our struggles we try and fix them so then we could go to God and be like, look, I'm better. I'm such a good boy. You know what I mean? But that's not how God wants us to be. He's incarnational, right? And he yeah. sends Mary to us to advocate and, and things of that nature. So I think even in regards to that, Mary, I can't overcome this, this sin. Or Mary, yeah. I need you to intercede to fix my marriage because I can't do this on my own. That same type of delegation, that same type of dependence on others is exactly what you're talking about, and it should be reflected in our spirituality as well. Um, yeah. One last thing, and we want we want you to share how people can find you if they want to get in touch or follow you or, cool. or like you or, or whatever. Um, I like you. Um, oh, sweet. One thing I want to, want, to, want to note is it doesn't necessarily have to be in the normal structures that exist. And so about uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. Kevin, who again is a talented musician, put on his Facebook page, hey... If your kids have lyrics that they just came up with, a poem or a song or a story that they had, send them to me, and I'll put them into music, and I'll I'll sing their song for them. Because, yeah. you know, a three-year-old isn't going to be able to play guitar, but a three-year-old can, can, can have different things. And it was just a delight to see that creativity of like, okay, during this time, the best I can do is to be able to draw out the beauty of the family, and this is how I'm going to do it. And you came up with a couple of songs from a couple of kids. Yeah. And, uh, and, and not only did you have fun, but the world had fun because of it. So creativity is another thing that is a risk like we talked about, but that's okay because just like making that pie, it's going to taste and usually it tastes pretty good. It's going to taste you guys. And that's what we're going for. Salt and light. So how can they find you if they want to be in touch with you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so first of all, I'm working on another song. It's been a while since I posted one because I got sent one that was particularly difficult but it's going to be kind of maybe a little bit Metallica sounding. We'll see. Nice. Um, nice. And then uh, secondly, you can find me on, on Facebook. I'm just my name, Kevin Kapchinski. You can see it down there probably on the zoom video. Uh, just find that on Facebook. I'm there. And then uh, on Instagram, I'm Kapchike at K A P C H I K E. Uh, I am working on some recordings for an album as soon as the studio opens up after COVID. So it was going to be July, I don't know when it's going to be now, just whenever they open up again, but it's all good. Um, but yeah, I, uh, and then on YouTube as well, uh, I'll be posting music and stuff like that. It's, it's all the same stuff content wise. It's just on all of those platforms. So great. Uh, you can find me any of those places. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us, sharing your insights. And uh, listeners, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online. Our Facebook group is a key place to do that. Just search Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Absolutely. Please send any feedback you have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. But if we want to go far, we go together.
Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and look how you can release some of the ministry. Let go, let others, let God. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. Bye. Yeah, sorry. I, I feel like I got a little long-winded talking about pies, but... <laughs>